this is Angie Meadows and this is Mother Slaughter. And we are here at this Russian studio in Huntington, West Virginia. And we are on the rock of recovery. We are uh, about recovery for any of anyone in addiction, anyone with um, struggles in their life, struggles in their thinking, addictive thinking, addictive patterns, food addictions, uh, enabling addictions, codependency addictions. We're just basically giving you uh, principles to live by, to things to think about, to be able to make your life battle. So if you're listening, you qualify. <laughs> That's right. So we are working through uh, Rocket Recovery Overcoming Trauma. The first recovery book was on a anxiety 12 lessons on anxiety the next one was on torment and this one is on trauma because if we don't take care of our anxiety Bobby it goes to torment and then it goes to trauma so we want to make sure that we do that we also have several enabler books uh, enabler's journey a Christian perspective that has about 150 scriptures to uh, validate the principles that's in it if the scriptures are just distracting to you. The, it has the companion book called A Thousand Tears in an English Journey, and then I broke those down into some small group lessons, and we have two of those books published for small group lessons. So today we want to do lesson seven in the Overcoming Trauma book. It's called Recovery from Mind Control. Let me say real quick about how important this is about recovery. Um, we talk in recovery, and it even says in, in one of our books that, that in one of the 12-step fellowships, we use a lot the big book. It says that, that alcoholics are restless, irritable, and discontent until they can once again experience the sense of ease and comfort that comes from taking a few drinks. And for me, that restless, irritableness, and discontent comes from a lot of the things that we talk about on this show. Uh, so not only am I lessening the reasons to drink, I'm getting healthier in my mind in the way that I, that I operate in the world. Yeah, because there's a lot of people I've met that are sober that don't have a sober life. Right. I can be abstinent right. and not be drinking and still be a complete train wreck. Right. So I'm I real dry yes. drunk, so to speak. I want sober thinking. Yeah. So what we're learning in these lessons is how to have sober thinking. Absolutely. So last week we did mind control and what mind control looks like. Um, so today we're going to do recovery from mind control. If you missed that lesson, you can catch it on my podcast, Rocker Recovery. It's on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora. So kick us off with the scripture here, Bobby. Scripture, uh, this is Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for he thinks in his heart, so is he. Hmm. So uh, whatever I'm allowing close to my heart and allowing to get a hold of me, like if it's bitterness, that's the way I'm going to be rolling is in bitterness and it's going to leak out. So I want you to listen to your words so that you can hear what's in your heart. And let's go for the introduction. Developing decision-making skills empowers us to escape the mind control trap. We are continually being bombarded with false ideology to fulfill the agenda of others. There are many decisions we make for the benefit of others that we love and cherish. We sacrifice our needs to serve our families. This is the solid ground of loving families, neighbors, and work environments. This is hard to do if we have not been nurtured nor have a healthy identity. Instead, we may make rash decisions out of stubbornness or another dysfunctional inner core response. Pause and evaluate options. Take time for yourself, time to reflect, time to pray, and time to receive sound counsel. 
This is not selfish. This is responsible self-care. And a lot of times I've talked about uh, self-care um, and people think that it's selfish, but there is a part of myself that I have to nurture. I have to be able to take part of me and reserve it for me so that it's not parts that I give away. So there's a selfish self, but there's also a sanctified self. Yeah, we talk in recovery all the time that you can't uh, keep it if you don't give it away, but I gotta have something to give away first, so I've gotta take care of me. That's right. So here the lesson is identify when you make an impulsive or rash decision to escape dominance or other toxicity. So I want to make sure that I'm not being impulsive and rash. If you resent or regret your recent decisions, it may be because you were manipulated by someone else's belief or agenda. If you made a life-altering decision quickly, like quitting your job or walking away from recovery, you were probably triggered by a trauma wound, and fleeing quickly was an impulse decision based upon a fight, flight, or freeze response. I've picked up before, after having months and years of continuous sobriety time, and from the outside, it may, at least I thought, it looked like I was doing okay. Uh, but really, I was torn up on the inside, and the things that were going on, I wasn't addressing. I, I kind of, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. It would have been great to have all this information then, but now as I'm learning this and, and, and helping to, to, to spread the word, so to speak, it's, uh, it's helping me out uh, tremendously. So, you know, Bobby, as I'm reading through these and working through these lessons and writing them and I go back and edit them, I'm like, oh, I need that today. I don't remember writing that. <laughs> I need that today. I need to remember. I need to remember that there's that I've got to listen to what I'm saying and be able to apply that to my life. Because a lot of times you know it. It's just hard to get it applied to our lives. So impulsive decisions rarely turn out well. So if I have a big decision to make, I want to make sure that I have plenty of counselors. So what we're going to do is work through some decision-making skills because a lot of what I find with myself is that when I'm struggling, I either make stupid decisions or I can't make a decision at all. I make it and then I go back and then a yes and then no, yes. And, and I'm just like looping on this, this treadmill, uh, you know, of, of nonsense. Yes, I'll do it. No, I won't. Yes, I will. No, I won't. <laughs> Most of my bad decisions are based on feelings. Yeah. And uh, I, I have to remember the, the old saying that feelings are not facts. Um, so those decisions I'm making are not based on facts, but they're based on how I feel even in a temporary moment. And usually they end up not being good. Well, I also say feelings are stupid and they have no intellect and they're <laughs> blind guides that lead us into a ditch. So I cannot follow my emotions now. There can be sanctified emotions where I can feel the presence of God. I can feel peace. But then there can be those unhealthy, unsanctified emotions that are just driving me into a ditch. And that's what i got to be aware of. So nurture a sanctified self. Uh, read the decision-making points. There's four points here. Number one, if you're empty, take the time to nurture yourself by exercising your internal voice to speak kindness and peace to yourself. If we haven't got compassion for ourselves, how, how am I going to give compassion and kindness to someone else? Absolutely. Number two, it's the principle of placing the oxygen mask on yourself if an airplane decompresses or you won't be able to help anybody else. So if I'm, if I'm working with someone and they're really impatient with children, 
there's not anything left in them to give. There's stuff that's inside of them that's struggling and they're not nurturing themselves. Number three, it's not selfish to exercise your no muscle if your plate is full of other commitments. So there's a lot of awesome things to do. <laughs> there's a lot of opportunities. But if I do them all, there's nothing left for me. Yeah, sometimes I wish I could do everything, but it's just not possible. So I have to make educated uh, plans, so to speak, on, on what's good for me, uh, by, by, by how can I help somebody else. Number four. It says, do not ever say yes to a manipulator or abuser unless you need to do this to secure safety for you and your children until you can find a way of permanent escape. So sometimes, and now I'm not talking about violent abusers or uh, that type of stuff, but a verbal, you know, some verbal abuse that might be going on that you just really feel like, okay, this is a dead-end relationship. This is a dead-end place. I need to move on. But, you've, but you're not, you don't know where to go and you don't know how to go. So that's when you need to take your focus off of that relationship and put it on yourself and on what you can do to empower yourself to start moving forward. So place your family first, or and when I'm saying family, I'm saying those that depend upon you, maybe children, maybe uh, elderly uh, people that you're responsible for. So number one in that area is if there are incorrect ones under your authority being abused or innocent, not incorrect, my bad, uh, like children, elderly, or handicapped, you must learn to be a protector. Number two, a balance of caring for yourself and others is vital to a healthy environment. Three, this care does not apply to the manipulative, abusive, addicted, or dominating family members unless you have the mental and emotional stability and the social support to do so. It would be optimal to care for active addicts or abusive family members by moving in and out of these relationships quickly and becoming more and more independent from their control. Make decisions based upon what is good long-term for you. So what I'd like to say here is that um, when my loved one was in the streets, I just kept going back. Um, but I couldn't. I couldn't at first. I, it just would get it stuck in my head, and for days I'd be crying and crying. But there came a point to where I had detached emotionally enough that I had released him to the Lord. Okay, Lord, he's yours. If it pleases you to lay him in the grave, then do it. If it pleases you to raise him up, then do it. And so when I was emotionally detached, Attached from it and was giving him control over his future and his choices, then I could move in and say, hey, uh, you know, email him because um, he always popped in at the library and picked up his emails even when he didn't have a phone. I could find him somehow and I could say, hey, let's meet for breakfast or hey, do you want to ride to another rehab or are you ready yet? Or, you know, I could, I could not, it wasn't an all or nothing where I just didn't have anything to do with him. And, and so when I'm working with my recovery girls, they say, you know, our families have just totally cut us off and I'm like you know I get that they don't know how to have the skills to move in and out of relationship with you to be able to continue um, their own balance because a lot of times I would just get so stuck in my own head that I couldn't fix it I'm the guy on the other side of that coin uh, and I and I I manipulated and, and used my parents for, for a lot of the times when I was actively using uh, to get help. And eventually they wised up. And uh, 
they, 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 they cut me off. Even, you know, the last couple of times I've gotten clean, my, my father wouldn't have hardly anything to do with me until I had made some substantial progress. Right, uh, right. For a year before we really right. developed a relationship again. And, and, you know, now it's it's really good. It's strong. It's 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 and it's not just about hey can I borrow some money right it's, right uh, right right there's nurturing and caring and there's you know there's talk of the future because you know there's going to come a time sometime in the next you know decade or so that the roles are going to be reversed and yeah. it's going to be time for me to start taking care of them yeah and uh, I want to be in the right position to be able to do that oh that's a that's an honorable goal okay decision making number four make decisions slowly and think through decisions and the potential future outcomes make a pro and con list for your major decisions <laughs> I'm big on pro and con lists uh, yeah. I do that quite often and um I usually get good results. Sometimes I have to run them by somebody else, though, because if I'm just looking at it from my side, I'm usually involved in the decisions I'm making. So if I can get somebody outside to make a a non-biased opinion on them, uh, I can usually turn out pretty well. When I'm making the wrong decisions, I do that pro and con list. I can realize that I'm making the wrong decision because I'm literally sacrificing myself. Uh, And... um, uh, a pastor friend told me that I was a very good martyr. <laughs> that, that I would just give and give and give. <laughs> and so sometimes you got to step back and you got to do what's best for you. And when I made the final decision, okay, what is best for me? It's not a selfish decision to do what's best for me so that I can grow and mature and be stronger. So we want to learn how to make our own decisions. Number one, Bobby. In early recovery, we must submit to others. Ephesians 5.21, the reason we do this is because we cannot trust ourselves to make good decisions, but quickly learn to take a thought and think it through to the end. Do not let toxic people think for you or place yourself under weak leadership. Hmm. I see a lot of this uh, with people, uh, and I've been in that position where, I mean, I, I... and I've said this before, you know, before I put myself under the guidance of director, uh, a direction of, of people that were sober and, and know, know what the right thing for me was, if I had a dollar in my pocket, I would go buy a beer. That's yeah. how undisciplined I had become. Uh, and they had to teach me how to not do that. They had to teach me how to get up and be responsible and how to make a bed and, and you know, go to class and just do the things that I was supposed to do at that time. Those aren't the things that I have to do today, but a lot of them I still do. I still make my bed every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't go and buy a beer. And I've got way more than a dollar in my pocket, you know? So that's just called adulting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, lot of us, a lot of the things that us addicts and alcoholics struggle with is just we're not grown up. So I'm over-responsible, and that fosters people's under-responsible. <laughs> so if I'm, if I'm uh, you know, taking care of uh, my family and I'm doing all the work and then I'm the one being over-responsible and as I do that I'm going to be able to sit back and look that oh look they're being more and more irresponsible because I'm overdoing it so I have to step back and give them part of that responsibility I find myself having that mindset sometimes too I'm, I'm very good with my money now I, I'm very I have a very nice detailed budget that's that's planned that I, that I work on every day and every time I get paid I pay my bill and they, they change color on a spreadsheet and it's just it's very very organized and when I ask people about theirs and they don't have one I immediately think that they're less than me 
money for some reason. <laughs> you don't have a budget? You don't have a spreadsheet you manage your money with? And I've got to watch myself and realize okay. it's just a okay. stuffer. So yes. Bobby has an area that he could teach me in because I need some help. <laughs> okay, so number two. <laughs> Uh, when we're not, when we're out of control and self-destructive, we must yield and let others who can be trusted guide us in our recovery. Do not let toxic thinking run your life. Uh, I think toxic thinking will ruin your life, and I, I don't even think it matters. I just think sometimes we get addicted to that toxic, confused rat race where it is. It's like it's not like we like the suffering, but it's almost like we like the drama of suffering, and that becomes addictive. So that when something triggers us, there we go into that addictive trauma pattern where we've got to stop that toxic that toxic flow yeah it takes time it does take time and it takes uh, uh, talking to trusted people and working that out and uh, finding what the root trigger is it's like the first step of getting sober is detoxing and it's detoxing from the drugs and alcohol uh, but then we have to start detoxing from all the ways that we used to think before that's right all right number three work with a recovery coach and develop short and long-term goals make decisions based upon goals and not on emotions well there you go again this is something that i have done and i love the fact that i've met a lot of my goals that i had set for me and i'm still working towards the long-term ones i had um those short-term goals once i meet them i i I feel so good about myself because i met something that i had planned out and uh uh it's 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 that feeling of success makes me give hope, and I guess hope is what you know continues to drive me. You, you know, I'm surrounded by people right now in, in recovery, and it's so funny because they figure out what my goals are, and when on my days that I'm really complacent and I just don't care anymore, <laughs> they push me to meet these goals. But you, this is your goal. This is where you're heading, and I'm like, I know, but just not today. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we're going there today. Let's go. <laughs> so it's really cool to have a good, strong support system around you that's going to push you towards your goals. Just like anything else, when we start making decisions and following through with them, we grow. Because right. there's a, a it, it, and, and what happens, and, and our good friend talks about this all the time, that when I first show up, when I first show up to the doors of detox, I'm really facing a lot of consequences. Yeah. It's because of the decisions and actions I made before that. As I stick around, I those decisions and actions I make after I get sober start catching up with me mm. and my life gets a little bit better. Right. It takes, it takes time. So if you're not making good decisions, if you're not even able to make a decision and stick with it, here are some questions I want you to ask yourself. Number one. What is your short-term goal? Hmm. Number two. What are your options? Number three. Collect information on each option. Number four. Outline choices with possible outcome scenarios. Outline pro and con lists for every potential choice. Hmm. Number five. Finally choose an option and then pray about that decision. Number six. And put some action behind it. Okay, so let's do that again. A short term, Make a short-term goal. Figure out what your options are. There may be yucky option one, yuckier option number two. May not be any viable, good, healthy options, but you do have options. You always have options. Collect the information on each option. Maybe if you're, if you're needing to go to a, a rehab or a domestic violence shelter, go and visit these places so that it's not so scary for you. Collect information on these options. Options, um, 
outline your choices, uh, possible scenarios. Okay, what might happen if I stay? What might happen if I go? Which would be the best in long term? Not what's what I want today, but what's the best long term? Choose one of those options, pray about that decision, and act on it. This is very similar to a, a thought process that I was trained in and learned and have taught uh, that we call Bedarst. It's belief, decision, action, results, faith, trust. And it's a whole process. Um, I can do a quick example. Yeah, sure. Um, let's say I'm out of town and I'm visiting you and something happens to my car. Um, I need to get it fixed and I need it fixed cheap because I don't have a whole lot of money because I'm on vacation, I'm out of town, all that stuff. So I, I ask you, because you're my friend, who can fix my car and do it for a good price. Um, so because I'm asking you and my friend, I have a belief. I believe there's a, it's something that I'm hanging a truth tag that you're not going to steer me wrong, so to speak. Um, so I decide to, to, to call this person and then I put action behind it and I call this guy. Uh, I bring it to this guy. He says he can do this and this for this price. So I get results. Uh, that, those, that, that registers as a success, so to speak. Uh, so there's a little bit of faith the next time I have a similar situation. Um, because I went through the process. I, I believed, I decided, then acted, mm. and then had results, faith, and then I'll, eventually I'll have trust with you because if, if it, let's say the next time I'm in town, my car tears up again, uh, it's probably time to get a new car. But all those things can go into play a lot easier because it's our, I've had success from the first time. So what you're talking about is empowering yourself. Yes. And not doing drama uh, about something temporal like if you have a flat tire i mean like trust me if i had a flat tire a few years ago lost my car keys whatever else i could make drama for an hour but instead i learned to okay stop doing drama just don't do drama over anything if it's happening it's happening just do the next thing just like you said you know call triple a call somebody come help you with this or that and and don't do drama over it and i mean it, it's going to get worked out whether it just it just depends upon whether or not you're going to stress yourself totally into madness over it or whether it's it's going to be something you're going to get the skills to move through i, I thought I, I lost my motorcycle keys a few weeks ago and i was really wrecking for, for a short period of time that i realized it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. A couple months ago, you didn't even have a motorcycle, so. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, so if you're still struggling, here are some more things to do. State the problem. Number two. Pray and ask God for wisdom, a good sponsor, or a counselor. Number three. Seek God's principles on a related scenario in Scripture. Number four. State your outcome goals. Number five. Do what you need to empower yourself to be able to make healthier decisions. Hmm. That empowerment comes up all the time. Just Sometimes we give our power away to others, and we've allowed others to make our decisions for us, particularly if we have um, trauma wounds. We, we have just tended to not trust ourselves and to give that power away. So as we recover, I want you to start moving into the ability to empower yourself to make decisions, to get up, to get the job, to make, your, to make the bed, to get to the meetings, to do what needs to be done. So do not give your decision-making power away. Read right there, Bobby. If you've done so and are in an unsafe relationship, work to regain power. 
This may mean you need to educate yourself and develop skills and make yourself employable. Work on your freedom from any active behaviors, active obsession patterns of thought, or addictive relationships. Uh, this means that you learn to submit to recovery authority, even if they are not perfect and are still dealing with their own junk. <laughs> and a lot of times we are. <laughs> Absolutely. My sponsor seems a little weird sometimes, but he really, he's been sober for 36 years, and he's done it a day at a time, just like I'm doing it, and he's faced almost every situation that I can possibly come up with in my oh, life. Oh, that's good. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's just the deal. I need to, I've got that level of trust with him, so when he makes a suggestion, well, there you go. Okay. Addictions rob us, leave us and empty, and make us vulnerable to be abused, neglected, and abandoned. So the very first thing you got to take care of is um, your addiction. You're right. You got to take care of that. Whether it's a food addiction, whether it's a um, um, a drug addiction, alcohol addiction, whether it's uh, addicted to anger or rage or or uh, something that's dominating your life, like you know, games or television or sex or lust or porn, whatever it is, whatever is dominating you to keep you stuck is what you've got to you've got to start working on. So name your addictive, toxic relationships. You will know. They are addictive because they make you emotionally unstable. There's that restless, irritable, discontent. Mm. Fretful, fearful, anxious, stressful. <laughs> okay. Addictive thinking traps keep me from making decisions and enjoying my day. When I recognize one of these dysfunctional thinking patterns, a dysfunctional decision is just around the corner. So, Bobby, read us our addictive thinking traps. We've got rationalizing, reasoning, Obsessing over a person or situation, self-pity, brooding and brooding, angry or bitter, fearful or anxious, sulking and embracing melancholy, lack of joy in the present moment, having to know future outcomes. I'm bad at that one. Needing to see the big picture and certain success before moving forward. Really bad at that one. Fairy tale perfectionist daydreaming. Yeah, yeah. So let me go back to the having to know the outcomes, the future outcomes, and the really big picture. We we have, can control what decision we make, but we cannot control the outcome of that decision or what other people will do. And that's where we just have to move forward in what's what we feel is best for us. And sometimes we're not always going to get it right, and that's okay. I set myself up all the time with the next one on the perfectionist daydreaming. Um, I think that I should be able to do everything just as good or perfectly, like ever, like better than anybody. And what I really am doing when I do that is setting myself up for failure every single time. Um, because I can't be perfect at it. I can be as good as I can be good. And I can improve. But right. to expect myself to be perfect at something is, is somewhere where I fall short all the time. I think that um, I, I was listening to a message the other day on insecure attachments, and it was talking about um, perfectionist, and it says that a lot of times we're perfectionistic because of our insecure attachments. So with poor options, sometimes the lack of good options keep us from making decisions. We have yucky option one, yuckier option number two. Choose the least yucky option. <laughs> it, it is not possible to know the future, but do not let that keep you stuck. You may need to make hard decisions to make your future look different than your past. Go for more suggestions. 
Number one, seek counsel from others who know and love you and will counsel you with the truth, but are willing to let you make your own decision. Two, grab a friend to talk things over. Frequently, I say my own answer as I'm talking without even knowing that I know the answer. Three, do not talk yourself into or out of anything. Four, good decisions feel right and safe. Five, strong emotional support will empower and undergird you, under, undergird you with the strength and support to correct your wrong thinking. Six, you need a professional counselor if you had childhood sexual abuse or in domestic violence or emotionally triggered often. If not, uncontrollable self-destruction with substance use disorder behaviors are near. Seven, look at the whole picture of past, present, and future. Eight, be aware of your emotions, internal conflicts, lies, or negative and defeating thoughts. Nine, make decisions based on facts, not emotions. Mm. I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> Sometimes you have to get a good friend and say, okay, help me find the facts here and get rid of these emotions. Just the facts. And just move these things out of the way. Okay, during a crisis. Think temporary decisions. Quick temporary decisions may not Maybe more manageable until you have time to plan. Uh, deal with your exaggerated emotions before deciding. Make permanent decisions when you do not feel pressured. If you procrastinate, decisions will be made for you by others and may be worse. Mm. That's when the legal system can get involved sometimes and make those decisions for us. So we want it, I want you to know that just because you're making a decision today does not mean it has to be permanent. A lot of times we don't make decisions because we think it's, okay, if I make that decision, it's going to be permanent for the rest of my life. But no, it doesn't have to be permanent. It just has to be uh, something that gets you out of harm's way right now. So with past decisions, Decisions. Let's look to see whether or not they were good or bad. So think of one of your past decisions that you just recently made. So what were your internal feelings? What were your hesitations? Did you have doubts? Did you work out? Or did it work out? <laughs> you might have worked out. <laughs> would you do the same thing? Would you do what would you do differently? If you're in a recovery program, the best decision is always to stay and work through your anxiety, anger, or any other exaggerated emotion. Do not run. Instead, take a time out and learn ways to discharge highly exaggerated emotions. Yeah, these high emotions seem to, to run us right into the ditch. So the principle here is good thinking skills lead to good decision-making skills. So listen to your complaints. They are signals of something that needs to be actively discussed with a trusted mentor or sponsor. Stop looking at others and look at what you need to correct yourself. And the Bible says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can clearly see to remove the speck out of your brother's eye, Matthew 7, 5. So whenever I'm irritated with somebody, the first thing I want to do is turn my fingers towards myself, and I want to look at myself. What am I doing that looks like this? It's not easy to break the power of mind control. The best way uh, we've found is to distance ourselves from abusers and surround ourselves with healthier people. Also, developing a nurturing parent role and reparenting ourselves with protection is vital to heal our inner wounds. Just this one behavior may make me bold enough to push back and protect myself from false ideology and confusion. Find a safe place to think your own thoughts and to heal. Speaking hopeful, healing thoughts to yourself is powerful enough to overcome any negative thinking traps. Hmm. Speaking. Thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7 says. Speaking hopeful, healing thoughts to myself. So what I have to do, Bobby, is I have to slow down. 
I have to give myself space to slow down, to not be running all the time, but to slow down so that I can uh, allow myself to think. So, Lord, help me to clean up my impulsive, negative thinking. Help me to rein in my passive thoughts and to rule and reign in the space that's between my ears. Let no past failure hold me back. Let me progressively move forward to claim all that you want for me to enjoy. And I just pray this in amen and amen. Amen. All right. This is Rock Recovery. This is Angie Meadows. And we'll see you in the next hour.